between the cherubim shine forth. You dwells between the cherubim shine forth. You dwells between the cherubim shine forth. Praise God. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen. Let's open our Bibles now to Matthew. Matthew chapter chapter 9. Amen. It is time for my mercy. It is mercy. It is mercy. It is my mercy. It is even my mercy. It is my mercy. It is my mercy. It is my mercy. For it is time. It is time for my mercy. It is time for my mercy. It is time for my mercy. For it is the time that men are coming into my world. It is time for to bring men. 
men into my world. It is my mercy bringing men into my world. It is men, time, time, time. It is my time for to bring men, for to bring men. For to bring men into my world, for to begin to be giving you sense for my world. I am giving sense for my world. I am giving you sense for my world. That you may be alive in my realm. That you will be alive and living in my realm. I bring you mercy for my realm. I bring you mercy for my world. It is time for my mercy. For to bring men into my world. For to bring men into my world. It is time for to give you sense that you can function in my world. It is that time that I am giving you sense. I am giving you sense of our realm. I am giving you the senses of our realm for to function in our world. I am bringing and raising men up even into our world. For there you would rest. I am giving you sense for that is what you were made for. For to come into our realm, to function in our realm. I am impacting you for it is my mercy. It is my mercy. It is my mercy that is impacting you, my things, for to function where I am. I am raising men that would live in my realm. I am making men alive in my realm. I am raising men to live in my realm. It is my mercy. It is my my mercy it is time for my mercy for yet you would see much more mercy for even the earth to experience the life of my realm it will experience the life of my realm for men will begin to live in my realm on this earth men will begin to leave my world on this earth they will begin to believe the oraculous they will leave the oraculous they would leave the oraculous they will become oracles on earth says the spirit of the Lord Thank you, Father. Father, we bless your name. We receive your mercy. We receive mercy. We obtain mercy from you. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Okay. Let's open our Bibles. Praise God. Um. Let's let's instead let's go to let's go to Isaiah. Let's let's start from Isaiah. Amen. <clears throat> Isaiah chapter chapter. F- let's see forty three. Isaiah forty three. Praise God. Thank you. Isaiah 43, let's read from, let's read from verse 19. Praise the Lord. Are you happy to be here? Just say, tell someone I'm happy to see you. Praise God. Amen. Okay, uh, Isaiah 43, verse 19, it says that, Behold, behold, I do a new thing. Amen. Uh, now, now shall it spring forth. Verse 18 says that, Remember, ye, ye know the former things, right? Remember, ye know the former things, neither consider the things of old. Thank you, Jesus. Behold, I do a new thing, and now shall it spring forth, and 
Shall you not know it? I will even make a way in the wilderness and rivers where? In the desert. Praise God. And the beasts of the field shall honor me and the dragons and the owls because I give waters in the wilderness and rivers in the desert to give drink to my people, my chosen. And these people have I formed for myself. They shall show forth my praise. Praise God. Um, this is the, the prophet, amen, speaking concerning the thing which the Lord will do, amen. You know that the, the prophets, the book of the prophets are not necessarily Old Testament, right? You know, the prophets are not really Old Testament books. Um, what you would call Old Testament are part of scripture that speaks about the, the old covenant which God gave to Moses, right? Uh, this, that covenant has certain promises to it. And the, every covenant has a promise, right? The old covenant had promises attached to it. And that old covenant um, to a degree, there was some fulfillment of that promise, which was to bring the people into the promised land and to help them to, to live uh, the way they ought to live in the promised land. Praise God. Uh, but the, the prophets, the book of the prophets are not the old, they're not Old Testament. The prophets doesn't speak about just that testimony. The book of the prophets were actually for to capture the, the mind of God for the purpose, the prof, prophet were mostly prophesying for people to come. The entire book um, the, the law was also not just for Israel. Also, also to show a pattern of God's, um, a pattern of God's will upon the earth, but through an earthly kind of arrangement. The best that you could represent the will of God upon the earth through earthly means and through earthly system and earthly ordinances. That was what the Lord could do. And then the prophet were speaking most of the time, the prophets were speaking at a level higher than what the nation of Israel were able to do, what they were able to fulfill. In fact, a lot of the words of the prophet was an indictment on the lifestyle and the way of life of the people of Israel because their life in the natural was short, falling short of the standard in the spirit which God has for his people. Praise God. So the prophets were not limited to the weaknesses of the people. They were prophesying beyond the weakness of the people and trying to prophesy the mind of God concerning God's own very people, who God's, how God's people should look like. And so that's why the, the words of the prophet very ex, expressly transcends the Old Testament. 
and very and is actually very accurate concerning things of the New Testament as well. Praise God. Uh, so this thing, when, when you read something like this, the Lord speaking through his prophet saying, I will do a new thing. Um, he wasn't just talking to the nation of Israel, telling them there are some new things I need to do for you guys. He was talking, it was actually a prophetic declaration of God concerning God's people that there is actually, there will be a season in the journey of the people of God where the Lord will begin to tell them, look, it's time to do a new thing. That he would tell them that um, we should consider not the former things, neither remember the word, the things of old. So that word in verse 18 is actually a prophetic word, is a declaration to every soul that should come to every soul at some point in their journey. So it's, it's going to come at a time when it's time to, to move on from old things and begin to move into what? Into new things. And this is a season uh, which I, I feel strong. The Lord is saying that to us, that you should not remember right, the, the former things, neither consider the things of old. So it's possible if you're interpreting it from your soul, you can see that it's possible to, to consider, to remember the former things and to be considering what? The, there's difference between a remembrance and a consideration. Both are bad when it comes to <laughs> this kind of season of concerning the former things and the things of old. Both remembrance and consideration. Remembrance is looking at it with affection. You're still, you remember it. Things that you have no affection for, you hardly, or you don't, when I say affection, maybe affection is not the word, but things you have no emotional connection to are easily to forget. They're easy to forget. So the things that you remember are things that your heart has some kind of connection to either healthy, if it's healthy, most of the time it's some kind of love for it. Or you know, it's unhealthy, it could be something, something that is, praise the Lord, it could be something that is maybe a dread or a fear or something. But the, the, uh, if someone remembers something in the past, it means it still has a hold on you to, to some degree. And then consideration is not just remembrance. Consideration is is trying to pick a thought for, with an intention. You don't consider without an intention. You consider um, with an intention, praise God, in your heart. And the Lord said, look, don't even remember the former things. Right? And do not consider what the things of old. So the, a soul who is living, the old man, someone who is living out the nature of the old man means that that nature is his consideration. He's actually, is trying to, is deliberating upon the nature and using that old, the manual of the old man to live. So actually what you consider is what you live by. Right, what you consider, take into consideration. What you take into consideration, when it's time to act, what are the things you consider you find out that what men consider when they are acting is things that pertain to their nature. We say, ah, that's all good and nice, but let's consider these things. 
After a while, when they go home, they will now consider some things. Amen. That's why you can make an agreement with a man today concerning righteousness. And when they just, they just need to go home and sleep and come back. When they get back, what happened? The tone would change. Ah, you know, you know that thing. You know, let's not be too zealous about this thing. You know, we have to consider. Amen. So it's considerations. <laughs> Praise God. May the Lord deliver us from consideration. It's consideration that makes a brother not love his brother. Fully, you know what I mean by fully. He lost to a point and he begins to consider. And what he considers are things of old. So the things of old are the things which stops a man from moving forward when it comes to the things of the spirit. The things of old. Jesus Christ said it. He said, what man, out after just drinking old wine, just outrightly, I mean right away, just desires the new. He doesn't desire the new wine. He will say, for the old is better. That was what Jesus Christ said, do you remember? So because of there's something about, uh, the, about the old wine, which he, he, he considers, he always considers the old wine. Praise God. So there is a, that consideration concerning the, the old nature, which we all still carry it at a level. We all still have that consideration. At a degree, we consider that man. When it's time to take a step in righteousness, the man will talk to you and say, consider, consider me. What about me? And the men consider the old man. Praise God. And so it's an, it's an inhibition to, to walking in righteousness. It's actually a, it's an inhibition. The old man, consideration of the old man, is an inhibition for the change of person, for transformation. It's what stops men from being what? Being transformed. So, this, so the prophet by the Spirit is saying that you should remember not the former things, neither consider the what? The things of old. For behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? For I will even make a way in the wilderness, and what I will make rivers where in the desert. So, a way in the wilderness. The wilderness is a place where there is no way. Right? Wilderness is a place where, when you see a person dwelling in the wilderness, it's because they are stuck in the wilderness. Like Israel, when they were in the wilderness, if left to them, they would have spent one hour in the wilderness. Just quickly move through and get to where they're going. But what the wilderness signifies in the scripture is the place where a soul is stuck and he doesn't know how to, to, to go through. Like they were going around the mountain in the wilderness. They couldn't break through into their destination. Amen. So this wilderness and then rivers in the desert. So um, Wilderness, desert, wilderness, desert. A, a desert can be a wilderness, right? Do you agree with me? A desert can be like when they were in the wilderness, they passed through different kind of terrain. After some time, in the same wilderness, they came to a lush terrain when they were approaching the, the promised land, the, the plains of Moab, where there were more trees and all of that. For, for, for a long time, they were in the desert side of the wilderness. Praise the Lord. So, the, but there's difference between 
praise God, in the wilderness, there are, there are times in the wilderness where it's a deserted season. It's a desert season. There are times in the wilderness where it might not be a desert season, where you can even have trees in the wilderness and all of that. Do you get what I'm saying? So um, what, what makes, what, when you find, um, usually what causes a desert in the wilderness is the absence of water. When there is no water, there will be desertion in where? In the what? In the wilderness. Amen. But someone can be in the wilderness without a desert, but still not find a way. Not be able to find the way. Are you seeing seeing what I'm saying? So now you see this word wilderness and desert here. They're not speaking about the, the, um, they're not speaking about the positive side necessarily. Um, where God is, which is supervised by heaven. The wilderness, there's wilderness that's supervised by heaven, which, is, which God willingly puts men into for the purpose of training them, for developing their soul. In fact, that kind of wilderness actually now becomes a place of abundance, right, because of provisions of heaven. And then the distance the soul measures from distractions, things which distract them. Do you agree with me? So, but there's also wilderness, which is negative, which is more of the sense they are using it here. This negative wilderness is the one which Satan creates around the soul. The devil is actually also a maker of wilderness. He's also a crafter, and the way God makes wilderness, the devil also does what? He also makes wilderness. The wilderness of God is to Create separation from the civilization of darkness. That's God's own wilderness. To give you separation from the things of the world, things that defy. So he can have time to work on you and work on the soul. Praise God. But the devil does his own wilderness. His own wilderness is to create separation from the things of God and then lock the soul up into a place where the soul cannot find access into, you know what I mean? <laughs> Uh-huh. So the, what, my, the point I'm trying to make you understand is that the old man is a wilderness and the desert. Do you understand that? It's, the old man is what? is a wilderness and is what? is a desert. It's a wilderness and a desert created by the devil. Do you agree with that? It's a wilderness and a desert created by the devil. So... Um, what the Lord is saying, is speaking here concerning, is a, dis- a deliverance from that wilderness. See, that thing called the old man, no man can just choose to put him off or to come out of, of just being old. Souls have tried. Some souls have tried. They are trying to change their person. They can't. You don't know, how, you don't know where the strength of that person is hidden. He's buried in, the, in recesses, which your conscious mind cannot travel to. Your conscious mind cannot travel to the root and the anchor of the old man, the old nature within the soul. So, so such a person needs help. You need help to, the way Israelite, Israel needed help to move out of the wilderness. They had to be led by God to find their way out. Because what was blinding them in the wilderness wasn't an ordinary power. Praise God. We were chatting the other day and he said someone said that, that they don't believe the Bible. Why? Because scientists have proved that 
there's no way Israelites could have spent 40 years in that wilderness because it's not that far. That they, how, how long? Let's say they were taking half step a day. They would have, in 40 years, they would have found a way out. Amen. So the person said that because of that, they don't really trust the Bible really because scientists have gone there, they've measured the land, everything. They said, look, it's not possible that Israelites took that thing. But the person doesn't know that what was keeping them there was not lack of compass or lack of navigation instrument. It was power. <laughs> right? <laughs> it was what? It was power. The same kind of power that locked up the Eden and no man could find Garden of Eden. And it was on the, it's on the earth. And then no man could find it. He just put a cherubim, flaming sword and just locked it up. No man can ever get there. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. So God can do that. God can, God can make a man physically go around the same place for 40 years no, and not be able to find. Their brain will just not just, it will just be correct to just know where to go and what to do. God can do that. Amen. That's one of the easiest things for God to do. So, <laughs> praise God. <laughs> so that's not a good reason to not believe the Bible. Eh? <laughs> um, but anyway, so you're seeing the same way God can do that. Satan. Is also is a cherub. We're seeing the other time. We're looking at Isaiah chapter 28, all the work that God did inside of him. That he also has wisdom and skill. See, that was the anointed cherub which covereth. He has the wisdom of covering. The wisdom of how to hide something. That's what all those angels in the third heaven, they have that wisdom on a very, very high level. Very high. Very high. They are keepers of things. They're actually angels. According to Psalm 103, they call them angels. You, bless you, the Lord, all you who is what? Angels who excel in strength and then who hearken unto the word, the voice of his word. Those is angels. They are keepers of his things. See that, that thing that his voice says, they can keep it. And when they keep God's secret, they they keep God's secret in a way that no man, no, no being can ever find it. No entity can ever find the secret that angels. Are you getting what I'm saying? So sometimes those level of secret which they keep, sometimes when they want to maybe bring men into those secrets, you see why they will have to send an angel. Sometimes you, I wonder, okay, why would Michael be coming to our meeting? Okay, can't, isn't Michael too busy? Can't um, then <laughs> they send some other Guys, maybe out of the innumerable company of angels in the, in the holy second heaven or something. All the seraphims, can't they just say, okay, take the message, go and tell them that thing, you know what I mean? And they will just come and then maybe one seraph will be, will be around. But, but Michael, Michael, <laughs> they have to bring him. He has to come. He has to come. At one point, they said, they said um, when Gabriel was speaking, concerned to Daniel, Praise the Lord, when he was bringing a message to Daniel after the warfare of understanding, when he came, he said, no man, no one withholded with me in this matter except Michael, your prince. It means that they have a matter that no one withholded with them. They hold that matter among themselves. Praise God. Are you seeing what I'm saying? So they had to come. If they did not come, forget about the matter. You cannot access the matter that they have. 
So that's the nature of those entities there. And it's from that, that world, if I can say that, from that realm, that's where Lucifer, the son of the morning, came from. He was also a bearer of light like them. He was also an angel like them. He was also a keeper of things, of matters like them. And so how do they keep matters? It's by wisdom. That's how angels keep things. They keep matters by, is they walk inside of them, the ability to shield. When it was time to, to hide the way of the, of, to the tree of life, they had to pick one of them, right? Or is it two of them? Two of them to bring them, to say, okay, just, you know, I, I, I don't believe that necessarily putting them there, it means that, yeah, stand here, you know the way you stand here, you stand on the other side, let's block the gate. I'm not sure that's how they're keeping the way to the tree of life. <laughs> I, don't I don't think so. I think when he says he put two cherubs, it means that God put the way to the tree of life in the charge of two cherubs. He just gives them work. Okay, make sure that nobody ever can ever get to this place. You get what I mean? So those, those angels can be in heaven and they are keeping the way to the tree of life. They know how, they know what is a wisdom, it's an operation, how to hide. Like, like all of us now, the things that Satan has done to make us not see God the way we ought to see him. Is he sitting down with you every single minute in your house? Say, I am Satan, therefore do not know God. No, no, no. He just did things. He just did a work, something. He finished an operation a long time ago. And what he has done to, to, to cause, according to the book of Ephesians chapter, chapter, praise God, chapter 4, amen, talking about the ignorance that is in them, amen, then the blindness that is in them, and then being alienated from the, what? from the life of God. Do not walk as other Gentiles walk, in the vanity. Who did all those things to men? Vanity made men's mind vain. Amen. Darkened their heart, kept ignorance in there, and it's not with them every single minute. That's a word, an angel for you. Praise God. Do you see what I'm saying? So that same being is the one who constructed the old man, the nature of the old man. What makes a man care about the things which he cares about is an angel who thought about the wisdom to lock man into particular cares and considerations. What men consider, make man more in tune and inclined to consider certain things over other things. That's the work of a cherub. So this wilderness here, praise God, is the wilderness. Let's read it again. Let's read it. Thank you, Father. Glory to your name. Thank you, Lord. I receive breath. I receive your breath. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Verse 19, it says, Behold, I will do a new thing, and now it shall spring forth. Shall ye not know it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. So, the new thing which he will do is as against that old former things and the things of old, which are the things in the old man. Praise the Lord. And then the answer to that is that he's making a way. So when the Lord begins to do a new thing in his soul, is that he has begun to, in that soul, make way out of the wilderness. He's making a way out of where? Out of, and then he's also bringing rivers in the desert. 
way out of the wilderness. Those are two things. When you see a soul in the wilderness and a deserted wilderness, that's the wilderness where God, where Satan kept man. Not just ordinary wilderness, right? The old man is not just a wilderness. It's a deserted world. It's a deserted area, portion of wilderness. It's a wilderness. It's a desert that is in the wilderness. That's who the old man is. So, so the old man is, so, and man is there, he will never find a way out, and he will never find nourishment. That's, that's the lock. So lock him in a place where he can't go out, and he, can, he can't be nourished in that place. That's the nature of what? Of the, of the old man. And God is saying that the new thing I will begin to do is to make a way out. This, this operation of making a way in the wilderness. You have to make a way first in the wilderness. It's the way in the wilderness that will extend out, that will lead out of the wilderness. Praise God. Am I making sense to you? So, and this thing, this is actually the help which many souls are crying for. Some of us might not know it, but this is the help you're looking for. This is the help that many souls are actually looking for. Is that many souls have become you know, have become stuck, so to speak, in their wilderness, in the wilderness of the old nature, of the old man. You see, you know, some souls can live with certain tendencies and habits and natures that they have. Praise God. But you don't know what they lack is way. To see way. Praise God. To see what? To, to see way. To see the way. To see the way. Amen. So in the wilderness, way can appear. That's what the Lord is saying. But the way that the way will appear is that in that wilderness, you still must learn how to rem- not to remember the former things and then learn how not to do what? To consider. So consideration must change. When consideration is changing, way begins to appear. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? In the wilderness. So the beast of the field, Father, we bless your name. Amen. Amen. The beast of the field shall honor me, the dragons and the owls, because I give waters in the word wilderness and in the desert to give drink to my people. My word, my chosen, to give drink to my people and my word chosen. Verse 21, that... These people have I formed for myself that they shall show forth my praise. So, these people have I done what? Have I formed for myself and they shall show forth my word. They shall show forth my, my praise. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Um, so, this is, we are talking about, I, I'm just sensing the Ministration. This is a ministration of mercy tonight. The Lord just wants to, to, to minister the mercy. First, mercy comes. You know, mercy comes through understanding. When you are beginning to see and you are beginning to have understanding, they are beginning to have mercy on you. That's the way God brings mercy to people is by allowing understanding to rest upon the heart. Amen. So this mercy um, is... The mercy 
mercy is sight. Way of seeing. Mercy here is the way to see. Discovery of way in the wilderness. And the finding of water. The unlikely place, the desert, is an unlikely place where water can be found. Praise God. Now, the old nature, for a man to, for a man to rest in the provision of escape, of exit out of the old nature, out of the old man, he must have come to the, he must have come to the expiration of, of, of hope in anything that the natural can find. In other words, man must, something must happen to the soul. The soul must give, must, must give up quest for finding new things in where, because the heart is actually always seeking for something new. But the quest to find new things in the old must end. Praise God. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. The quest, the quest for finding what? New thing. The reason why a person considers something, you're trying to, you go back to what you consider, you want to see what you haven't seen before. That there's something, and, and the old nature lies to men that way, that you just look at me very well. You know, we haven't finished ourselves. There's something that we still have to offer in this nature. And that's why men remember it, and men consider it. So man must come to the, an expiration of those things. Amen. For before, before like Solomon, when, when the Lord had to, began to bring out so, wisdom, you know, he called himself the preacher, the preacher, the preacher. Who is the preacher? Who is the preacher? A preacher is a mover of men. Right? Who is a preacher? He's, a, a preacher is a mover. He's, he's the one who can... A preacher is someone who can move something that's not inclined to move. Even the power of preaching is the power to move, to, to bring, to, to, to overcome inertia. If you, if you know physics, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, 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 amen. The, what's that inertia? is the tendency of something to stay where it is. That is a, and there's a force that needs... Uh-huh, to, to quicken motion, quicken movement. Preacher can wake up a sleeping person, make them to move. That's the words of a, a preacher. And a real preacher doesn't do it by force. A real preacher does it by wisdom and by understanding. By wisdom. He, he will keep preaching and preaching and preaching and preaching until urgency rises within the heart of the soul. That was that was Solomon's kind of job. So when Solomon asked God for wisdom, that was the something the Lord put upon him, that, okay, there's this job I want you to do for me. It's to, to preach, to, to bring forth the release of wisdom. Right? He was a, Solomon was a man of what? Wisdom. <laughs> Amen. Some people think Solomon only had earthly wisdom. No. Solomon didn't only have earthly wisdom. Solomon, Solomon's wisdom, when you look at Solomon's wisdom, let's like say the book of Proverbs, 
and also Ecclesiastes. When you read those books, it's just that he had he, he spoke about wisdom of the earthly. He also spoke about the wisdom of the heavenly. So there are two kinds of wisdom in the book of Proverbs in Solomon. Amen. Now the Lord had to do something with his heart to find out. And he, he, let's read Ecclesiastes very quickly. Just it's very clear that Song, Song of Solomon is not a carnal wisdom. Do you agree? Huh? You know, some people think that this is a very carnal book. It's not. It's not. It's one of the most spiritual book in the Bible. Those who know know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Praise God. So, Song of Solomon. Solomon was speaking at the. He was speaking. Uh, he was tapping into the love conversation. The he was speaking concerning the love fellowship, right? The, the love fellowship. You, you find in the realm of God. That was actually the wisdom of, of, um, of that song of, song of Solomon. Praise the Lord. So those things he was talking about, it wasn't about a garden or a woman or anything. It was... It was <laughs> amen. He was talking about the kind of relationship your soul needs to have with God at a high level, at a, high, at a very high place. That was the wisdom of Solomon. Now, in, in, in Ecclesiastes, let's see. Let's just read that. Let's, we can't read the whole chapter, but the, um, there's a lot that he said about um, the task that the Lord gave unto him. He said, the words, the words of the preacher, the son of David, king in Jerusalem, vanity of vanities, saith the preacher, vanity of vanities, all is vanity. What profit had the man of all his labor which he he taketh under the sun? Now this is, so in this, what he's talking about vanity, he makes mention to letting, he's talking about things under the sun. Things under the sun. This was a part of Solomon's school of wisdom. But the things under the sun was not only the school Solomon went, Solomon went to. Solomon also went to the school of heavens as well. If he didn't, he would not be able to build the temple. There's a lot that Solomon gained from his father, David. His father taught him a lot. I believe his father was the principal person that taught Solomon about the heavens. About the wisdom. He didn't need to go and search everything. So, but he had to go and do what David did not do. What David could not. Because David, all his life, wanted to have desire of the Lord. That will I seek to. That I may do all, dwell in the house of the Lord and to inquire how many days? All. Uh-huh. So we know where David ended. He, didn't, he couldn't do Solomon's kind of ministry of going to marry 700 and all of my wives and all of that. He couldn't. He didn't do that. David was more tuned, was tuned upwards. He was tuned upwards to gain the wisdom of the heavens. But even though he couldn't, that he couldn't build physically, the work of actually building according to that pattern was, he, he received it 
receive the pattern. But God said you can't actually build it. You have to wait for your son to do it. Amen. But, this, but the son, how he must have for years, I, I'm too sure of it and I believe that for years, David must have been teaching Solomon about the heavens. Teaching Solomon about the heavens. Teaching him. What was he teaching him? Wisdom. Because with wisdom, a house is built. Do you agree? With understanding, is he furnished? Solomon did both for the temple. He built the temple and he furnished what? The temple. Praise God. So, so it's very clear that there's no way he would do that. It wasn't just a drawing on paper. When you say David received the pattern and then gave to Solomon, it wasn't just drawing on paper. It was installation of thoughts. Installation of wisdom. That things that David had, had come into access to by fellowship and by communion with the Lord. Understanding of the, the Lord's temple. Praise God. And even the, the heavenly temple. You know, David prayed, did not, amen. Did not the temple that, that what David built was what Solomon built, or what Solomon built according to the wisdom which David gave to him was not a tabernacle. Do you agree with me? It wasn't a tabernacle, it was a temple. They are not the same thing. What God gave to Moses on the mountain was the wisdom to build a tabernacle. It's not a, a tabernacle is a moving something made with cloth and rods and all of those things which you gear up, you gear it down as you're moving. That's not the full wisdom. So the wisdom that Moses received from God was not the full wisdom about abode of God. It wasn't full. It wasn't complete. David had to have a revelation higher. The revelation for building the temple means there were things about wisdom of heaven. You know, heaven is the ultimate temple. That what God gave to Moses was a copy of the heavens. Same thing of the, the temple of Solomon and David was also a copy of what? Of what, of what is in heaven. It means that what was given to Moses wasn't the full copy. There were things left that David had to receive from God. Both about the house itself and even, even the order of how to use the house. Do you agree with me? There were elements in service which David brought that Moses wasn't really doing when he brought the ark back. To, praise the Lord to, to Judah. And then he now began to he rearrange the service of God. He began to, it, he now be, it was David who brought the idea that hearts actually, can actually be involved with serving God. That what God takes is not just born sacri- offerings and sacrifices. That in fact, God doesn't actually delight in those things. <laughs> Are you getting the sense of what David, how did David get that revelation? Because they were, he had access to see through, the Lord gave him access by the, how did he know what was in heaven? Ask me, how did David know the revelation. It was because of it was the spirit that was upon him that was teaching him. There was a spirit upon him. That spirit that was upon David was actually teaching him concerning things of God which he couldn't read from the paper and the letter which Moses wrote, which Moses received from God. Do you understand that? So he, through time, must have imparted that wisdom to his son Solomon, 
So Solomon knew things. When Solomon was writing the, the book of Songs of Solomon, the wisdom of Song of Solomon didn't come from Solomon dealing alone just with his concubines and all of that and his wives. It wasn't, it wasn't a carnal kind of wisdom. It's not a carnal talk, Song of Solomon. In fact, for one man to be able to manage 700 women, and <laughs> how many concubines was that? It's not ordinary. You go and try it. Yeah. <laughs> you think? Don't try it. <laughs> Praise God. But if you, if you have only one woman, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Praise God. So, so that would tell you that that thing was, it was actually almost like a, it was a scriptural kind of demonstration of something. For one man to be able to do that, it means there was, he, he had power inside of him. He had power inside his soul. Now, if you're not married, you don't know what I'm talking about. Now, what power does a man need to have for one woman? If God doesn't help a man to give him, equip him, the woman can finish him in one day. When I mean that, like the, what she's trying to draw out of him. Let's just start emotionally to start it with that. What she's trying to drink from you. Sometimes a woman can drink a man, and you know when you are drawing, drinking water from your bowl, and then the water has finished. You are trying to scrape the thing. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes if there's nothing there, there's nothing there. Amen. But thank God, God is raising men who are deep. Yeah. Men who have un- unending waters. Who, if God gives you a wife, she will drink and drink and drink because you are, you are actually an extension of Christ. You'll be, like, you'll be a befitting head to her. And that's why God is raising us. Amen. But I'm just trying to tell you that what kind of heart, what kind of equipment, in what equipment of soul did he have for all those, all those women? You know what I mean? And if he, if he didn't have the equipment, let's say he was just doing anyhow, they would have killed him. Yes. <laughs> All of them. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> so just trying to tell you that there were things, imagine a soul that has wisdom of heavens. Right? So that, those things in Songs of Solomon were conversations from the heights, that he, things he understood about service. You know, they actually conversation of service. When you hear service, service doesn't sound like love to you because of religious mind. When a religious mind says service, the next, if you ask a religious mind, give me similes of service, the next thing they will say is suffering or something like that. <laughs> suffer, service and suffer, you can exchange them interchangeably in a religious mind. When you hear service, ah, serve. But, but to a non spiritual mind, service is... Is love, right? Service is love. So the book of Song of Solomon is actually song of service of a lover to his, to his, to who he loves. They were serving. It's the words of service. How they serve, they are words of. Are you getting what I'm saying? They serve romantically. In heaven, service is romantic. In heaven. Praise <laughs> God. So if you don't believe what I'm saying, you go, what do you mean, pastor? What do you mean, sir, about romance in heaven? Romance. When you hear the word romance, you 
you think of carnal things. <laughs> Praise God. When I say romance, I just mean the, the, um, the what I call it, what's the word? The, the excitement of fellowship. Wow. Romance is the word? The excitement of fellowship. That the beautiful, awesome, sweet, excitement, the pleasure. Romance is the pleasure of fellowship. Pleasure of fellowship. So that's what they do in heaven. Like, like, uh, Michael. It's very clear Michael is in love with God. You don't agree with that? Do you think that he will be hearkening to the voice of his word? Like his life depends on it. It's love that makes them do that. It's not just a dead, dry sense of devotion. Well, you made me like this. What else will I do? So, which message do you want me to send me now? Oh, Elohim. <laughs> Amen. It's very clear that what made Satan began to say those things because he fell out of love. When, when his soul falls out of love, he begins to think. That's how you know his soul has not in love. This is to act. Instead of activities happening here, all of them, activities happening here. Michael, Gabriel, fire, cold, burning inside and glowing fire of love in their heart. After a while, Lucifer, this one began to dim. This one began to shine. So you have, you've corrupted your wisdom by reason of your brightness. That's Ezekiel chapter 28. He became too bright up here. He corrupted what? The harm. Uh, so he was no longer in love with God. That's what actually happened to Satan. He, he fell out of love with God. Then he, when you fall out of love with God, you begin to think about other things. You become busy. And you begin to merchandise. So that's how you know a soul is not in love. They, they, they are too active. When you are, you are just trying to enjoy the, what God has said, they are thinking of how to spread it to the nations of the earth. <laughs> you, get what I, you get what I mean? Well, I say, all the things God has said, can we just stay around it and enjoy it and really you know, soak it and drink it and really become it and everything? They are thinking something like, ah, can we get this you know, from coast to coast in Canada, the Western Hemisphere? They've not got it. How can we broadcast this message? That's how they think. So when, when a lover meets a, I don't know, a merchandiser, there's always a, a clash, they fight. The merchandise always feel like the lover is not serious. What's wrong with you? You're wasting time. This word needs to move, man. Souls are dying. Souls are, what, what are you doing with this word? But a lover is, doesn't have, a lover is too preoccupied. He doesn't, he doesn't even think about those things because of he's too captivated by what he's, being, what he's seeing, what he's hearing. The life is too sweet. He just wants to tabernacle with it. And just stay with it. And just keep loving it every day. Like Michael, like Gabriel, all those beings who stand, they stand in God's presence. They have no other job. They behold him full of eyes. They never tire. They don't get tired. Day or night, their love fire is burning. They never get tired of seeing God. Every sight of God is a rejoicing. Thank you, Jesus. 
Oh, we give you glory. Amen. 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 So let's read Solomon. <laughs> Bearing in mind that this was a man that God himself gave wisdom. Right? So Solomon did not gain wisdom by looking at things. God actually, he prayed. God came to him. Praise the Lord. Do you agree? And he asked the Lord, give me wisdom and all of that. And God said, okay, no problem. I'll give that to you. So uh, he said, vanities of vanities, said the preacher. Vanity of vanities, all is what? Vanity. See, it will take a eyes that is helped by God to look at this word and call it vanity. Don't trivialize what he's saying here. Many of us cannot look at what is in the world and call it vanity. You will not call it vanity. How do I know you won't call it vanity? <laughs> Should we do it to answer that question? Let's do answer that question. <laughs> Amen. Amen. So vanity of vanity, said the preacher, vanity of vanities, all is vanity. So what profit had a man of all his labor, which he taketh under the sun? One generation passeth away, and another generation cometh, but the earth abideth forever. It means as all these things you are doing, going, the earth is not what? The earth is not, the, the earth is just standing there. With generations come, and then generations, including generations of those who say they want to save the earth. <laughs> right? <laughs> I mean, the, the nerve, the audacity. <laughs> Do you know how old this earth is? So you are the one that will save it. Out of everybody who has lived for the millions of years, you are the one that will save it. Praise God. He said that one generation passed away. You don't even know. You know this climate change, global warming. You don't know. You don't know how the earth re- rebirths itself. Don't, as, don't think that just because you're able to take a, an instrument and measure CO2. Oh, this amount of CO2 measurement. Just because of that... You feel now you, you are now ready to save the earth. You don't even know what the earth is. Just the age of it should make you humble. Alone. That, that it, should not be clear. You don't, it doesn't need you to save it. That is just... Amen. Praise God. Amen. It says, one, one generation passeth away and another generation cometh. But the earth abideth forever. The sun also ariseth, and the sun goeth down, and hasteth to his place where he arose. Amen. Verse 6, the wind goeth toward the south, and turneth about unto the north. It whirleth about continually, and the wind returneth again according to his circuits. All the rivers turn into the sea, yet the sea is not full. Unto the place from whence the rivers come, thither they return again. All things are full of labor. Man cannot utter it. When he says all things are full of labor, he's talking about nature. Right? The trees, the wind, the sea, the rivers, the atmosphere. He said they are full, they are all working. While you are sleeping, they, they are working. The wind is thinking about how the sea is doing. The sun is thinking about how is the sea doing? How are the, the, the microorganisms under the earth? How are they all doing? They talk to each other. They are all working together. 
Are you getting? And we don't have any clue about what they are, what they are even doing. Do you get what I'm trying to say? He says, all, all things, they are all full of labor. They are working. He says, what they are doing, man cannot what? The eye is not satisfied with seeing, nor the ear. What, what that means is that when man wants to observe it, you can never observe nature and be satisfied. You can't observe the earth and be satisfied. Because all is, is labor. Everything it's doing are too much for man to see. Are you seeing that? Uh-huh. So then the thing that hath been, it is that, that, it is that which shall be. The thing that has been. It's just talking, when you're talking about the earth here, right, what has been is what shall be. And that which is done is that which shall be done. And there is no new thing under the sun. Is there anything whereof it may be said, see, this is new. It has already of old time, it has been already of old time, which was what? Before us. Amen. There's no remembrance of former things. Neither shall there be any remembrance of things that are to come with those that shall come after. He's talking about the, in the, in the region of the earth. Right now. So when you look at this, this thing called the earth, this thing called, when he says this, once it's earth, once it's earth, once it's earth, forget about it. Everything that will happen here is already hap- has already happened before. Actually, the earth is a circle. Check how you know is check how it moves. Check how God ordained for it to move. The earth is not traveling somewhere. It's not going anywhere. Well, it is two motions rotating about its own axis. That's one. At the same time, it's revolving around the sun. Rotating around its own axis. And then in the whole year, it makes a full revolution around the sun. It starts again. Every day, it rotates around itself. Every year, it goes around the sun. Every day, around itself. Every day, that's all. That's the spirit. It's a sign. Am I correct? It's a sign. God is telling us something. He's telling us something about the earth. That is, when it comes to the earth, there's actually nothing new. You can never, once they drop you inside the earth, they've dropped you into a region of continuity of same things. Same thing. So, so it means that any soul that, on that, that goes into any kind of enterprise upon the earth, you can never find newness in any enterprise upon the earth. Men can lie to you and deceive you, but it's not true. You can never find what newness in any enterprise. Say, what do you mean? Uh, uh, things are being invented. New things are coming. What about? Okay, what about iPhone 12 and 13? What's the latest one? I don't even know. I don't want to mention the phone I use. <laughs> <laughs> what's the latest one? I, what's the name? Huh? You guys, you guys are like me. You're all like me. You don't know. 13? Okay, what about iPhone 13? Guys, two decades ago, there was no iPhone 13. See, it's the same thing. <laughs> iPhone 13 had existed before. You say, I would even, yes. You're talking about the soul. What iPhone 13 means to you is what the internet meant to the person in the year they invented the internet. It's not the same, it's the same thing. Look, when you look at the soul, it's the same thing. 
the same excitement you have. Wow, what a thing! Someone had that about Abacus, or you know, <laughs> the same feeling. Oh, what an invention! Oh my God! You feel like this is the end time. What is about to end? This, in fact, this is the most groundbreaking discovery. That it's nothing you feel. Men have felt that before. It's when you look just at the outward things, it seems like thing new. There's nothing new. There's no emotion you will feel. Any man will ever feel. Give birth to a child today on the earth. There's no emotion they will ever feel that nobody has felt before. There's nothing that will happen to their soul that has not happened to any other soul before. Do you get what I'm trying to say? Do you understand what I'm trying to say to you? So in the, in the faculty that counts meaning, which is the soul, right? it's the soul that counts meaning. In that faculty of the soul, there is nothing new that the soul will experience that is new under the head. Is it the feeling of discovery? Oh, a new invention. Men have discovered things before. It's the same feeling. You believe what I'm trying to say to you? Going to mass will not be a new thing. Amen. Even if somehow you now see aliens begin to come, that's why there are some creatures from other planets begin to come. You know the way, I don't know how they will look like. If, if, and then say, wow, I saw an alien. That's still not a new thing. The, 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 the feeling in the heart of a person of seeing an alien will not be different from the feeling of a black man who saw a white man for the first time. <laughs> Do you doubt me? I mean, the black man who was just in Africa in his village, and after, after one, Oibo just came. You're like, what? Why is his skin white? And all of that. It's not it's the same feeling. There's nothing there. <laughs> so nobody will ever experience anything new. Forget it. They are lies. You've been lied to. Sorry to bring the news to you. I'm sorry. <laughs> But yet, in the soul, there's a yearning for newness. There's a yearning. You can't quench it. You can't. You can't. That's what drives the technological industry, the entertainment industry. That's what is driving all men, is the deep desire for newness or something. You can't quench that thing in the soul, because the soul was meant for it. The soul was meant for it. So the, the, the day you hear the prophecy, consider not the former things. Remember them not or consider the things that hold for. I will do a new thing. That's a blessed day. That's the day of answer. That's the day of answer. See, and it's not, it's not the world telling you. The world tells you it's a lie. But when he, 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 the creator says it, that behold now. See, I love that word now. I will do a new thing. That's what the Lord is saying to somebody today. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. See, all things are full of labor. Verse 8, man cannot utter it. The eye is not satisfied with seeing, nor the 
ear filled with the hearing. The thing that had been, it is, it is that, we, that shall be. And that which is done is that which shall be done. There is no new thing under the sun. So what I was saying is that man needs to, to settle into this. You have to accept it. See, this is the beginning of receiving mercy. A soul who doesn't come to this acceptance, you won't receive mercy. You will feel like you can still find things by your own device. You will feel like there's still something out there for you. When I say out there, you know what I mean? Whatever it is that calls you, I don't know where it is. Whether it's somewhere in another continent, somewhere here, whether it's somewhere outside your backyard or in your friend's house or something. But whatever it is that calls the soul to adventure, whatever calls the soul to an adventure, to, a, to an exploit. Like I was saying before, my wife, when she was younger, fantasy was traveling to South Africa. And uh, I'm sorry, honey, I'm sorry that I'm saying this. Can I say this in front of people? <laughs> Praise God. You know, as a young person, that feeling, you know, maybe she has watched videos of like those South African musicians where they sing, and then you know those guys, they are, they, they are so colorful in a way, their culture, richness, and everything. Ah, it's a God. That's the, this, you know, that's the, I will flow in this kind of place. So she, she saw herself, maybe after she finished school, just leaving North America, just going there, join maybe a music, a choir or something, and then, you know, learn how to sing and music, and then get immersed in their culture and all of those things. Amen. I know the depression men feel that when you, start, when you go to such a place, you now discover that you are just having, you have the same feelings you've had before. That you actually, you went to a new place, but that place cannot give newness to your soul. It can't give newness. It can't. It can't give. This, this one seduce people. They live, sometimes they can leave the church, they can leave brethren. You see somebody who God has found a way to maybe position you in a place with brethren. You know, and you know, it's just, it's time for you to stay there, do the tedious work of finding your feet, being established, and coming into transformation. You know, and all of those things. And because that, some souls can just easily get enticed by fantasy. You know? Oh, you know, I just feel like, you just feel, one day, I just feel like, ah, if I just move to another city, you know, and just, where you, you know, that kind of feeling. And every, I know people who have done made such decisions. There are many. I've, I've known many of them. There's not one that didn't get to the end of that thing and see there's nothing there and realize they've wasted their time and their life. There's, because see, there's nothing new under the sun. There's nothing new. You get what I'm trying to say? So for, for a soul to obtain mercy... To begin to obtain mercy, it is a soul that has come to that, that realization where they, they are no longer searching for newness on the earth because you know, they can't find it on the earth. They are willing to, to, to stay where God has put them and expose their heart to mercy because they are looking for newness that comes from where? That comes. Only one being can renew the soul. Only one being has the things that the soul yearns for on the depth. You can travel far and wide. Even when they are going to, is this space now or where they are going, they're going to? Go far and wide. You can never. They, they, you see those guys traveling, they enter the space shuttle, travel to space and back. Those rich guys, they're doing it now, right? Come. 
Amen. Amen. You get what I'm saying? As wretched as they left, that's how they will return. Maybe even more wretched. Because now, after you've gone to space and you come back, what else is there to do in life? You become <laughs> more wretched. Say, old man. So the old man is a liar. He gives you a hope which he cannot fulfill. He gives you a hope. You see a young person. You say, calm down and learn God. No. So I just fell in love. This guy loves me. I love him. There's a way he makes me feel and everything. Amen. Praise God. <laughs> am I lying? Am I saying the truth? I just, I just want to know. Please. If I'm lying, let me know. I'll repent. Praise God. Verse 12. I, the preacher, was king over Israel in Jerusalem, right? And I gave my heart to seek and search out by wisdom concerning all things that are done under heaven. This sore travail had God given to the sons of man to be exercised thereward with this sore travail. Say sore. It's a sore travail for exercise. I know there's a difference between exercise and the real thing. Do you agree with me? There's a difference between what? Exercise and what? There's a difference between exercise and the real thing. Some of, some of you, you don't know that the reason for the, the earth is given to you for exercise. But some of us want to use it as our, as what? Huh? You want to inherit it as your, well, it's giving, just giving to you for exercise. God gives you a job, it's for exercise. God gives you a car, it's for exercise. God gives you a husband or a wife or some, or anything, it's for exercise. Anything on this earth, it, the best it can do is exercise you. Are you getting what I'm saying? It can never satisfy you. It can never fulfill you. The best it can do is for. And, and what's the problem with exercise? Whenever you are exercised, you desire for more. Have you seen somebody that starts with lifting 10, what, 10 pounds? After a while, you're like, what is this thing? This is not, it's like lifting a leaf. You look for something else. 15. After that, ah, 15 becomes like nothing. Look for 20. So the process of exercise is for to expound you to want more. Note that. Note that. 
What Solomon is saying here is a very key wisdom for you to know what this earth is meant for. That's why anytime you, one gives themselves to something that is just purely earthly, what happens? Instead of it satisfying them, they become more hungry. They feel more empty. The things of the earth is to, is to make, to expand your what? capacity, your desire for satisfaction. It, they, they don't satisfy. Nothing on this earth can satisfy the soul, but it exercises the soul. You so engages in one pleasure. After a while, that pleasure becomes nothing. Why it became nothing is because exercising with it created a bigger void on the heart. He's looking for a better one. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? That's the nature of exercise. And the purpose of exercise is actually sore. They call it a sore travail. Because any travail that doesn't give satisfaction is sore. It might not feel sore in the moment when it is still appealing or when it is still attracting you. But by the time you, you, you travail with it, and you now realize it's not satisfying me. There's a soreness in there. And everything on this, be it money, be it people, be it cars, be it relationships, be it work, anything on this earth will only exercise the soul to create more emptiness. Everything in relation on the earth will make you more empty. And they cannot feel. That's what he's trying to say here. So I gave my heart to seek and search out by wisdom concerning all things that are done under heaven. That this sort of travail had God given to the sons of man to be exercised therewith. Praise God. Verse 14. I have seen all the works that are done under the sun. And behold, all is vanity and vexation of spirit. That's the same meaning as vexation of spirit. Right? The vexation of spirit is what happens when a soul engages in something that gives him the promise of satisfaction, but instead creates a bigger void on the inside of the heart. It's vexation of spirit. And that which is crooked cannot be made straight, and that which is wanting cannot be numbered. I commune with my own heart, saying, Lo, I am come to to great estate, and I have gotten more wisdom than all they that have been before me in Jerusalem. Yea, my heart had great experience of wisdom and knowledge, and I gave my heart to know wisdom and to know madness and folly. And I perceive that this is also vexation of spirit. For in much wisdom is much grief. He's talking about when you have wisdom without to search, wisdom to search, but without having the equipment to that the actual materiality that can satisfy that search. For in much wisdom is much grief, and he that increases knowledge increases sorrow. And then he went on and went on and went on. You can read that by yourself. Amen. You get the sense of what I'm trying to say? So the point I'm trying to make here, why I came here, is to let you know that um, the heart must come to a settlement that considering the former thing, and remembering the things of old is a futile endeavor to the soul. Now, when you look at the old man, there must be, there has to be something inside you that realizes that this old man can't do what he says he can do. 
this, you see, the coziness of the old nature is a lie. Sometimes we don't know that thing. That when the, the Holy Ghost is nudging you to extend your, your dealings of charity or your dealings of love. And then the old man will say, no, what about ourselves? Are you going to live ourselves? Then in that conversation, the old man is trying to, is trying to convince you that, see ourselves, we've been enjoying. But you've not been enjoying. There's actually no enjoyment in yourself. Do you get what I'm trying to say? But if the soul is weak, if the soul hasn't come into wisdom to realize that, look, there's actually vanity in selfishness, and there's no, there's no, no actual gratification, there's no satisfaction in selfishness, that, that really what will enrich the soul has to be a product of mercy. God has to do something. The soul must have contact with mercy of God. That which comes from where? Comes from above. Only that which comes from above can help praise God. So that place we're reading here in Isaiah was, was that conversation. Amen. <laughs> Are you getting what I'm trying to say? Uh-huh. You, must, you must give up on the consideration of the old man. That's just all I'm trying to get. I see, I want, that's a step I want us to build from tonight. That the Lord wants every heart to know that that's a necessary aspect to, for you to obtain the mercy which they are speaking to us concerning, to help you move on to something else, to help you put on and come into the things of who? The things of the new man. Amen. Let's read that, Matthew chapter 9, where, glory to Jesus. Thank you, Father. Bless your name. Bless your name. We bless your name. Father, we thank you for the scriptures. Thank you, Father. Amen. Verse Matthew chapter chapter nine. I will be blessed today. Are you are you sure? Matthew nine verse verse fourteen. It says that there then came to him the disciples of John, right? Saying that why do we and the Pharisees fast often, but thy disciples fast not? And Jesus said unto them that can the children of the bridegroom, bride chamber mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? But the days will come when the bridegroom shall be what? Shall be taken from them, and then shall they what? Then shall they fast. And verse 16, no man putteth a piece of new cloth unto an old garment, you see that? For that which is put in to fill it up, take it from the garment, and the rent is made worse. Praise God. You see how this is the thought that the Lord just shared with us. That So if he says no man can put a piece of new cloth to an old garment, it means that you have to do completely away with the old. You don't try and patch the old with the what? With the new. You don't try and patch the old with the new. That you cannot patch the old with the new. You must actually, there must be a, a place where the soul gets tired of the, of the old man, amen, or the old garment. And verse 17, and neither do men put new wine into 
new bottles, else the bottles break, and what? The wine runneth out, and the bottles perish, but they put new wine into where? They put new wine into new bottles, and both are what? And both are preserved. Praise God. Okay. Now, the, the, the dealing of God, the dealings of God, which God wants to give to every soul. We made clear last time that the beginning of newness is what? The nature of who? Of Christ, right? The nature of Christ is the beginning of newness. That, that if any man be in Christ, is a new what? Creature. All things are passed away. And behold what? All things have become new. Now, the, the journey of a, of a Christian, the journey of a Christian is the movement of a Christian. When I say movement, I mean movement, moving upward to God. The change, the journey of a Christian is actually the journey of newness. The journey of Christianity is what? Journey of what? It's a journey of, journey of newness. And I said that Christ is the beginning of newness. But Christ is not just the end of newness. Christ is what? The, is the beginning of what? Newness. Now, you wonder why? So the steadfast love of the Lord never sees it. His mercies, they don't come to an end. For that they are new. David was talking about the newness of the mercies of God. That they are new every morning. So is it this mercy that he said they want to bring to us? Is talking about his mercy forward newness. They are new every morning. New every morning. The mercies of God are new. So mercy is only compatible is compatible with newness of life. That yes, you don't understand my the scriptural. Um, uh-huh. logic here. That's what David actually found, that the purpose, the, that these mercies are new every morning. What does it mean of new every morning? New every morning. Every, it means that every mercy, each mercy for newness. Each mercy for newness. It means that every mercy is to do a new thing. Simple, that's just it. That every mercy from God is to do what? A new thing. Every mercy is to do a new thing. 
So every day that the soul rises, you should rise into new mercies. What are new mercies? New mercies to accomplish that which is new in the soul. Do you agree with what I'm saying? So when you see a, a child, there's a, there are those who call the vessel that God will, that God will use to drink from. We're talking about that. That, that vessel, Paul actually referred to them as vessels of mercy. Do you, have you ever read that before? Do you agree with me? What, what, what verse is that? Amen. Praise God. They are called vessels of mercy. Huh? Karanosti, thank you. It's Romans. Is it, is it chapter 9? Thank you. Romans 9, verse what? 20. Uh-huh. Romans 9. 20 what? 23. 23. Praise God. You see how that? That if God willing to show his wrath and to make his power known and endure much long-suffering, the vessels of wrath fitted to destruction, that, and that he might make known the riches of his, his glory on the what, vessels of mercy, which he had afore prepared unto glory, even us whom he had called, not of the Jews only, but also of the Gentiles. So only vessels of mercy will arrive at glory. The vessels that are prepared for glory are merciful vessels. Vessels of mercy. Praise God. <clears throat> He's contrasting them with what he called vessels of wrath. What are vessels of wrath? To you, might think vessels of wrath are like angry men or something. <laughs> right? Or, praise God, or just men that God is angry with. Because I'm angry with you, therefore I'm casting you away into destruction. No. Who are these vessels of wrath? This, this wrath here is talking about the same sense where he said that the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. He was speaking about that with respect to the religious approach towards things instead of the merciful approach. Find that verse for me. Where he said the wrath, huh? The wrath of man. James chapter, chapter what? <clears throat> James chapter 1. Aha. Uh-huh. Verse what? Verse 20. Praise God. Let's, let's read this thing. It says, um, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lies with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Of his own will he, be, will he begat us with the word of truth, that we should be a kind of first fruits of his word. 
of his creatures. And wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, and what? Slow to wrath. For the wrath of man walketh not the righteousness of God. Now, what I think I've taught about this thing a little before, or some time before. Can you remember when I taught about what is, what is behind? Ah, no, you guys get There's no way you remember because most of you were not here. But it was a long time ago in my living room then. <laughs> Praise God. Um, so I was teaching about anger. That's thing called anger, right, or wrath, where it, where it comes from. That the greatest strength of wrath is righteousness. Self-righteousness. Yeah, anything that it doesn't sit as a righteousness in a man will not get him angry. Do you believe that? When you see someone begins to get angry at something, it's because someone is offending a sense of their righteousness. The, the thing is, not everything in life you get angry at. Do you agree with me? Right? It's not everything. There are many things in life. Most things don't concern you. You don't even care. So of the worst evils that are going on right now in the world, you don't really care about them. They don't get you angry. But when someone touches something that sits as a righteousness in you, I know this thing, should, you should not be done. You shouldn't have done. That's what wrath. So under wrath is righteousness. is self-righteousness of a man. Aha. You get what I'm saying? Behind wrath is what? Self-righteousness. Your wrath only manifests according to the self-righteousness that you have. That's a sign to know where your area is, where you need to pay attention. Once you see that scene rising, hey, I caught you now. What is that thing? Why am I so angry about this thing? Why am I so angry? That's a sign. It's a righteousness sitting down in that somewhere that's creating that attitude. You understand what I'm saying? Aha. Uh-huh. So that self-righteousness, that's why he says that do not be slow to wrath. Why? Because the wrath of man walketh not the righteousness of God. So God's own righteousness is in one, one, as one direction. A man's own righteousness is working out his wrath in him. You get what I'm saying? But God's righteousness is a product of mercy. So, when a person, when, for a person to, to be righteous toward God, the, the foil of that righteousness or what that righteousness is actually a product of merciful operation within his life. So it's not his self-righteousness. It's a righteousness that mercy has brought to the soul. Righteousness by revelation. So, so what is it? Revelation beings are joyful souls. Right? But souls that have self-righteousness are angry souls. When you see a soul that is angry, it's what causes anger? When you say, ah, someone is so angry. Why, why is the angry person? It's because of so much self-righteousness inside. It's too much right standard. And you see those standards, not God did not put them there. So what makes men angry is when you have, you have accumulated so much standard that God did not put. God didn't put all these standards in your heart. You're the one. 
And there are people who preach the gospel from that point of view. There are a lot of preachers who don't preach the gospel. They preach their righteousness. And, and, the, and it's with anger. It's with always, praise God. Like if, if you are left to them, if, let's say you just left all the unbelievers in the world to them, say, okay, holy, holy man of God, we offer heaven as assigned judgment of, of unbelievers into your hand. What will happen to them? <laughs> Praise God. Amen. All these things we do would have concluded these things. It would just, it would just select hey, all of you outer darkness. You, <laughs> Praise God. That's why the gospel doesn't flow like that. That anger, yeah, no, the gospel doesn't flow like that. God doesn't flow like that. God flows mercifully. You know the way those Pharisees flow? Pharisees are angry men. Did you get the sense in the Bible? That they're angry, very angry souls, right? The way they are. Huh? Standards that God did not put. They try to hold men in that thing, but amen. So don't be a what? A self-righteous person. Don't be built like that. Be built by mercy. When you say a merciful soul, it's as if they let anything go. But it's not that they let anything go. It's just that they, don't, they, don't, they have no reverence for standards that God did not put. But sometimes when you see a soul like that, you might think it's just that they are, they are doing anyhow. But it's not that sometimes. It's that there's no reverence for what? Standards that God did not put. And that's how you are supposed to be. Rather, the standard which you should hold on to is, re- is revealed standard. So you see a religious soul that can get angry at anything and hold it tight. Standards of God. But they can't enjoy one tiny revelation. When you bring revelation, they see revelation as playful. What do you mean all these things? You mean just... Just read the Bible and close it and go and pray. Let's, we have things to. The world is dying. <laughs> Amen. A, a religious soul who has this, who is a, a vessel of wrath. Praise God. A vessel of wrath thinks that the answer to somebody who is a sinner. Is to knock them on the head every day until they learn this is your sin. If you can break this head and remove the sin from it. Amen. But he doesn't know that it's not by that's not what's making the man sin. That was making the man sin is a mystery in his heart. The man himself doesn't know why he's sinning. Wait, just look, don't do it that way. Can we just relax? Okay, relax. Relax. Huh? Let's play around the scripture a bit. Forget about that thing. Let's just play around the scripture. Do you know that's the way Jesus was? Jesus was not beating the disciples about their faults. Do you know how many faults they had? Peter. If we talk about Judas on one side, but you're just talking of, you know, all the Peter and his brother Andrew and all of those men. Praise God. I was in church the other day, the pastor was just reading the verse. It was about Jesus. When Jesus just told them about how someone that will betray him is among them. He just, Jesus just said that. The next verse or so, that the disciples started talking about who is the greatest. <laughs> 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 All right? About, 
I was like, what kind of thing is this? Is anybody looking at what I'm looking at right now? That these guys just, Jesus just told you that out of all of you, someone is going to betray him and everything. They're going to kill him. Next, next thing, they started arguing about who is the greatest. What kind of, I mean, those, those men were, they were, <laughs> are you getting me? Like now, see, some of you, you can't even bear those guys, who they were, the, the way their souls were. They can't even be your friend. Many of them. But Jesus wasn't constantly insulting them, you canal. What is you canal Hebrew boys? Where did they even find yourself? <laughs> Peter, look at your stubborn head. You can't listen, you can't turn. What kind of person? Jesus wasn't like that with them. In that Matthew chapter 9, I'm sure those are the, those natures in them. You know those natures? You know those guys like that, they don't le- let them near anything holy because they, they know they are rascally fellows. So when they saw Jesus carrying those guys around, that's why those Jews then came to him and said, okay, why are they not? At least these guys, we know they have fought, you know, but at least if they're at least fasting, there's a hope that somewhere, you know what I mean? God can help them. Time of fast, everybody's fasting, they won't fast. Can you see these guys? Jesus said, No, no need for them to fast. Me, I'm enjoying them. Can you please leave them for me? I'm I'm enjoying them like this. You know what? God what Jesus for three and a half years, those souls were baptized into the enjoyment of Jesus. Jesus caught them deep. It was as they were just just merciful. Merciful dealing around them. He was cutting their heart deep that they could never recover from it. They could never. They could, only God know what mercy Paul, Saul of Tarsus, heard in the voice of Jesus. Only God knows what kind of, what kind of. What kind of mercy? Even the way he was even talking to him, very weak. So so, so so. Why why persecutest thou me? What did I do? Why are you persecuting me? Is that not the only question he asked? Him? Who are you, Lord? So I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. I, I I'm sure what he might have he saw in Jesus. You know, the way we think about it, that is just strength, Jesus shining and all that. I'm gonna like he's gonna kill you. It wasn't under the fear of being killed that he said, "Ha, ah, who are thou, Lord?" It was there was something about his nature. There was something. Ah, so this is the man that I've been speaking evil against. I thought he was one wicked heretic, one mean, nasty, vile fellow. You don't know that. I wonder how that appearance of Jesus might have looked like. That broke the heart of Paul. What? See, what broke the heart of Paul wasn't a strong man. You need to know who Saul of Tarsus was. It wasn't powerful. Paul? So it's very clear that what made Saul surrender, he wasn't fear for his life. Because he was hazarding his life constantly even to go after the Christians. And to kill them. He, didn't, he had already lost his life even when, before he became a Christian. So he wasn't fear that Jesus would kill him. It was something else in Jesus, in the demeanor of Jesus, in the, in the language of Jesus. It was mercy. 
he could, he could sense, he could sense and hear mercy in the voice of Jesus. Paul was convinced in that moment that this man who I've done all these things to can have mercy on me. What? How merciful then is he? For it's just his appearance to do that to a man like Saul. Are you understanding what I'm trying to say? So you see that, that playful thing about around the knowledge of God, around the scripture. So people think that you shouldn't handle the scripture. Uh, it, should, it should just be always hard and bone face and all that. When you bring strong face, the Bible will not open. See, I'm talking to you from experience. I'm talking to you from experience. If you do try and do half, and we say, okay, let's declare 50 days fast now to crack the revelation of eternal life. It will not crack. You will do everything you want to do. Everything, it will still be what? Dryness around the scripture. It doesn't open that way. The Bible opens mercifully. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. It means blessed, men with merciful attitude, they will obtain mercy. Merciful disposition will obtain mercy. See, let me tell you something. If you want to obtain mercy from God, be merciful. So of are not merciful enough, even to your roommates, to your housemates. Ah, why do you do this? Why do you gaga? Ga- come on, come on. You don't know. Add some mercy, man. And watch heaven open over you. Mercy calls God. See, because mercy is God's language. Mercy is foreign on the earth. Men don't have mercy. Men don't think mercifully. It's a a God kind of attitude. So when men are trying to operate by mercy on the earth, you are calling heaven. You are calling heaven down. Am I making some sense to you? So what I'm saying is that Look for all your storage of wrath and self-righteousness and what? Throw them away. They won't help you. Is it, who is a, merc- a, a merciful soul likes weakness? When I say like, I mean that. I don't mean, I don't, I don't mean they feel weakness is good. They can identify with, meek, with weakness. They don't run away from weakness. They can stay with weakness. I say, what can we do about this thing? That's a merciful soul. A merciful soul is not doesn't run away when it sees faults and you know and um, imperfections. A merciful soul knows that when there's an imperfection, it's time for they need me there. It means I it means I should be around because of this imperfection. He doesn't run away to keep himself clean. Like, are you get what I'm saying? Jesus was, look, Jesus was, look at, the, look at the arrangement around Jesus. The most messy, what's the most messy town? I'm sure maybe in the map you might not even see Nazareth there. They say there's one place called Nazareth where that place there's nothing to write home about. In fact, they say repetition that nothing good can come out of that. They said, okay, that's where my son will be raised. He needs, a, he needs an environment for merciful living. Where every, when he wakes up, imperfection. When he sleeps, imperfection. Everything around, his neighbors are not perfect. All of them have problems. Imagine Nazareth. Every, I'm sure everybody on the street had problems. <laughs> everybody in his neighborhood, in his city, had what? That's why God, even though he was from Judah, Judea, he said, this guy must be raised up in Nazareth. 
a place of, of, of weakness. Why? To develop the merciful nature. So Jesus will be uncomfortable around perfect people. That's why he told them. He said, look, look, see, let me just let, make it clear to you guys. See, I didn't come for the healthy. I came for the sick. That's what he told them. Because I'm used to sick people. Because in Nazareth, everybody is sick. <laughs> That's where the, the, when they say the child grew, it was in Nazareth that happened. In Nazareth, among the weak, among those who there's nothing to write home about, the spirit was working upon Jesus. They were growing him by that environment. It wasn't a clean place where everybody speaks in tongues. I'm sure his neighbors might have been thieves, might have been pickpockets. Think of the friends Jesus grew up with. You think they were friends of working class people? Kids of working class people? When he was like five, six, seven, eight, nine, was he playing with kids of rich? No. Some of them might be picking pockets. Some of them might be robbing people, might be stealing, and doing all kinds of things. Those were probably Jesus' friends because that's what you get in Nazareth. Are you understand? So Jesus being able to stay around the sinners, that was, he was raised among sinners. Among the worst of the worst. To prepare him a vessel of mercy. Some of you, you only like this, the claim part of your friends. You don't like the other side. You like the clean side, the nice side of them. You don't like all, you know, the other, they are short, say shortcoming. How do you even coin that word, shortcoming? Maybe they don't really reach where you are, they, stay, they stop short. <laughs> so you have to, to walk to meet them. <laughs> shortcoming. <laughs> they don't always reach you, you have to do a walk. Right? So if you, the person you get married to might not be your... You know what that thing, when I do like this, you know what I mean? Your, your what? Your specification. Because most likely, your, your specification might not give room for mercy. <laughs> but if they, if they allow you to okay, design your own spec, what will happen? You will not design mercy into the... There is no room for you to have mercy. But for heaven, they know, thank God for heaven. Say thank God for heaven. Thank God for leading. Eh? Hmm. Said, I've shown you all, oh man, what is good and what is expected of you. See, see Hosea chapter. Amen. Praise God. I've shown you, oh man, that which is good and what is what is what the Lord has required of thee is to act justly, to love mercy. And to walk humbly before your God. Mm. What verse is that? Micah. Sorry, Micah, not to see. Micah chapter 6. Verse what? 
Micah chapter 6, verse 8, right? He said, he has, he has showed thee, O man, what is good, and what does the Lord require of thee, but to do justly, to lo- say love mercy. Love. Ah! I don't know, can you, can you, can you, can you, can you? This loving mercy here is not, it's not loving God having mercy on you, no. We like that type, that one. But they're talking about you loving to show mercy. Do you understand that? Act justly, love mercy. Love mercy. Say love mercy. mercy. If we love mercy just a little more, a lot of things that we struggle with will not be there. Sometimes a lot of strife and a lot of things. Just like there's no space for mercy. There's no, not enough space for mercy. But rather, you are supposed to love mercy. Love mercy. Say love mercy. Love mercy. Amen. Praise God. He says that he has showed thee, O man, that, what, that which is good, right? What is good and what does the Lord require of thee? But to, to do justly, to love mercy, and then to do what? Walk humbly before your God. Praise the Lord. So we see these vessels of mercy uh, that he might make known the riches. God will not make known the riches of his glory on just the, any vessel, a selfly righteous religious vessel. God will not make that. See, that, that vessel will not carry glory. You see, you see mean, righteous fellows don't, are not glorious. Rather, merciful vessels God put glory upon them. You want to be a carrier of the glory of God. You want to be a, a, a vessel of glory. You have to be a what? A vessel of what? Of mercy. So that, you see those, we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellency of the power might be of God and not of us. Those earthen vessels, where God put his treasure. You get what I'm saying? The earthen vessel which God will put his treasure so that the excellency of the power will be of God. When the excellency of power is of God, it's not of your self-righteousness. Are you getting what I'm saying? So the vessels of mercy is what they call the eighteen vessel there, which is also the new vessel. Right? You understand what I'm saying? So it's very clear that the new mercies of God is to produce newness in the soul. And I said that new, new souls are merciful souls. Because the only way a soul can arrive at newness is by cooperating with merciful ways, merciful living, merciful thinking, merciful reading. Add mercy to your thought. Add mercy to your calculation. And, and watch how things begin to open up. And things begin to what? Things begin to change. Praise the Lord. Am I making some sense to you today? So I said the Christian life is, is actually the, 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 the activity of Christianity is newness. Newness by merciful what? Dealings. Merciful operations. Amen. New, say newness. Amen. Newness is the business of a Christian. Becoming new. Say, ah, I, became, I was new yesterday. Yeah, become new again today. I received something new yesterday. Receive new again today. Newness is your, the way you live by newness. Let's see Romans chapter 6. Quickly. Glory to Jesus. 
Is anybody blessed today? Are you, are you sure? <laughs> Thank you, Father. Karamosian to Pravanov's case. Amen. When you, you see souls who will eventually get to the, the throne of God and the God will say, sit down on the throne, you will be surprised how the souls will look like. They might not look like, they might say, eternal life, everlasting soul. You might be expecting some kind of righteous, you know, kind of stature. You know, I don't behold iniquity. That kind of soul. You know the kind of person you will see on the throne. If you see Jesus the way he looks like, you'll be shocked. You might say, this guy, why is this guy so unserious? <laughs> because of the kind of nature you expect him to have. I am Yeshua. He who was prophesied concerning. Have you read concerning me? In the prophets. Isaiah was speaking concerning me. I am the one. When, I, when they brought me in, they said all the angels should worship me. I'm not sitting on this throne just by... But and I'm sitting here by righteousness. I love righteousness. <laughs> and I, I advise you to do the same as well. <laughs> that's not the, that's not in the nature of Jesus. Well, how was Jesus that those guys on the way to MS were talking? They didn't know he was even the one. He was walking with them. How long did he walk with them? He was just arguing. I'm like, 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 I mean, you can easily just. You can easily just. That's the way you see the way he was. That's how he is on the throne. He didn't change. That's how he was. You know, that was the resurrected Jesus. The one who sat on the throne. The way you now see God, Elohim. How is he? How is he? You, don't, you won't know all these things until mercy finds you. Mercy is a world of its own. Mercy has its own way, its own thinking. The approach of mercy is different. Completely different. When mercy rots righteousness, men will come and say, there's no righteousness here. Because of their standard, they can't see that this thing is... This thing that... When, when God is rotting righteousness... Men with religious mind will disdain it. Say, so what kind of nonsense? What is all this thing? Mm. Serious, man. This is, God is a serious fellow. Who, are you getting what I'm saying? God thinks, God who confounds the wise, who uses the foolish things of this world to confound the, the wise. He uses the foolish things of this world. Things that appear foolish, God takes the light in them. Why? That's, those are attitudes of what? Of mercy. Praise God. Quickly, Romans chapter 6. Say, what, shall we, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer in it? Know you know that so many of us as we're baptized into Jesus Christ, we're baptized into his death. Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism unto death that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so should we walk in newness of life. Praise God. It's not so should we experience newness one time. 
The reason why you were raised together with Christ is to walk in newness of life. Do you agree with me? Now, what does it mean to walk in newness? Not, it's not just saying to be new. We know you, will, you are new in your spirit. We're talking of the realm of your walk. As someone who was raised new in their spirit, he said they can begin to walk. What is walk? Movement. It means the movement of a Christian is the newness of life. What is the newness of life? Newness. He's walking from newness to newness to newness to newness to newness. That's the work of a believer. He say, ah, God help me this year. I, my walk, I just, God help me, I move forward. What are you saying? So, is that I kept becoming new. Every movement is a newness. In, as you are, if you're a Christian, the way they make a soul, that if a soul has moved, it means they made it new. Yes. That the way of journeying as a Christian is renewal. Uh-huh. You know, you can't move without renewal. Don't accept anything new. You stay how you are. And you even retrogress. But the only way, there's no other way, there's no other way. Nobody can move forward in Christ without something new happening to them. Or become without experiencing newness. Ah, what does that mean? It means that the soul, spirit got born again once, but the soul should be getting born again and again and again and again and again. It means you should be experiencing newness, newness, newness. It is newness that will make a soul arrive at the nature of God. So any soul that's not ready to be new, you're not ready to move towards God. It's to move into God. I mean, coming into his nature. You must adopt the calls and the calling and the, the, the task of newness. For you to be, what does it mean to be, to be, to be getting new every day? It's an orientation. Many Christians don't have that orientation. And you see that any Christian who hasn't fallen into that orientation will stagnate. When you don't, you, it's like a secret. Ah, the secret is to be, get, to be becoming new. Oh, okay. Okay, okay, okay. It means that to be becoming new, it means that every single day I must be willing to let go of, of who I was. It's like... There is a, but there's a way the devil does makes man attached to anything that want to take away a formal estate. You, you respond almost violently to it. That's the work of the devil. When you see, there's a difference between a religious man and a spiritual man. A religious man is attached to who he is because you see, in that who he is is where all his righteousness is. That's the secret why a religious man doesn't let go of his right of himself. Because he that person that he is is his treasure. Yeah. I can because he can't see any any standing in life beyond that formation that he has. So rather he will try and conform the whole world to that formation. Yeah. When you try and bring revelation, you will put it aside. What do you mean revelation? There is a way we see God. Is trying, he wants to what? Instead of being conformed to the image of the Son, as he can try to conform the image of the Son. <laughs> when you try to to bring a revelation of the image, he <laughs> will try and, uh, well, that is to say that this, and 
And how can we apply this? That's the irony, just man talks. When you, you will just be talking about revelation of what? New things. All these things about, how, okay, how does this apply? And you're asking, okay, sir, where do you want to apply it to? And in fact, why must it be applied somewhere? Why are you thinking of applying it to something? You know that revelation, inside revelation, don't ever try to find the application of revelation outside the revelation. The application of the revelation is inside the revelation. The revelation is pregnant with its application. You just need to hold it long enough. But the, but the religious mind doesn't like that. He wants to shape it, cut things that he doesn't like, and try to fit it into his own thing. Why? Because he's a, he's a, he's a soldier. He's, who is he guarding? His person. His own righteousness. His self. The religious man is a, is a, is a warrior. A fighter. It's a defense. He has a defense mechanism to protect what? His self. Because daring in himself is all his righteousness and all his standing and all his meaning in life. So it's not easy to break that power, that strength. That thing called the, the wrath of man that walketh not the righteousness of God. There has to be a shift in orientation. What's the orientation? You must be fluid. Flow. Say flow. You must be willing to flow. Flow, 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 flow. Actually, the Holy Ghost is meant to make you flow. It's for to make you flow. Make you flowable. Because, see, when you, how do you, don't, you don't calculate yourself. You, you don't, you flow into God. Those who arrive at God, who arrive at stature in the spirit, when you're trying to, to trap them and ask them, okay, tell me the steps, how do you arrive? They cannot tell you anything. They, they, they flow. It's my merciful movement. Are you getting what I'm saying? It's, they were just responding to newness. newness. What is newness? The, the script of newness. What has a new thing to accomplish now? That's, all, that's the tidings. When you say the gospel, good news, new, add plural to it. Make it plural. Pluralize newness. That's the gospel. It's a news. There are newnesses, new things to be. There are news. Tidings. Tidings. New things. That's the gospel. So a, a, the journey of a Christian is to journey with news. That's just all. You should, you should be like, a, like you are someone who's tuned to a station constantly. Okay, what's the new? Ah, what's the new formation? That's how a spiritual man is. He's, he's trying to pick the next formation. What's the next formation, Lord? What's the next formation? Lord? What's the next thing by revelation? That's what a, 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 a spiritual man looks for in the scripture. He's, he's, he's all, he's, he's spiritual man is always toy, wrestling with the spirit of revelation. Not wrestling in, a, in a, amen, but he's always playing. Let me use that, use the word play. That's the right word. He's always, a spiritual man is always playing with the spirit of revelation. Why? To find out his new person. He's, he, he knows there's always a new person. And he's not, he doesn't settle. He's, he's sold out to the journey of newness. That's his spiritual soul. You know what I'm trying to say? So such a person, because you have been raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, do not walk, walk, walk 
short of that calling. You are actually called to walk in newness. Tell somebody, walk in newness of life. Walk in, learn how to become compatible with newness. The glory of the church is tied to this thing. The current church right now, the world has studied the church. They can map out everything. In fact, a lot of worldly guys can even predict. Where, and when they hear a preacher talking, they can tell you where the message is ending up. They will tell you what the moral of the story is. They will tell you everything. They can they summarize the church into one thing and put it in one corner. And the church cannot break out of that thing. The answer is newness. Newness. You have to know that what we are born into is newness of life. It's the download of a foreign life. God is not your relative. He's not from your village, sir, and ma. You get what I'm trying to say? God is an alien to this world. To come into his nature, you must be willing to receive an alien lifestyle. So what will make you new, like I said, is the gospel. That's why Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. I'm not ashamed of the news of Christ. Romans chapter 1 verse 16. For what? It is the power of God unto, unto, the power of God unto salvation to them that believe, to the Jew first, and to, for therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith. Faith to faith is newness to newness. Newness to newness. Newness, because faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. New things. Faith is new from faith to faith. New to new. From new to new. Journeying from new to see the answer to many of our problems is this thing. When you get this thing, when you get this thing, when you get this thing, you just be changing. When your friends come to me, they are looking for the old you, they find, ah, that guy is no longer here. Who is this fellow? We have to now try and know this fellow. Who is this person? He's a new person right now. Ah, what's your name, sir? Do I know you? <laughs> Do you know that's how it's supposed to be? When I came to visit you last week, may I not come and visit the same person? Amen. When I come to your house, don't only entertain me with, ah, I just found this new drink, or, ah, have you seen that new show? No, that's not the newness. I want to, I came to visit the new you. Can, can, you, can you entertain me with new natures, that things that, that, can you refresh me with new things that you have, that you have come into? May I, can I see new things in you? Ah, that will, ah, challenge me and be like, oh my God, oh my God, I need that aspect too. I got, that is, see, that's the joy of the saints. Newness. That's what we celebrate. We celebrate newness. Change is what we celebrate. Transformation. Don't take glory in your, this who I am. Forget about those things. Amen. That's the convention of the dead. Oh, no, my own, no. I mean, my own nature. Oh, this is me. We don't, I, I don't like this kind of thing. I, I don't like this kind of thing. No, I don't like this. Uh, you know now, you know the way me I am. This is my own preference. 
Those are talks of the dead, sir. You don't know what you've been called into. You are supposed to be that nothing in this world can, can hold you down, can pin you, can stop you. Like Jesus, when they were trying to come and catch him, they don't know what manner of man he is. They don't know that, praise God, that's why they needed Judas to come and kiss him. Because normally, when you see this guy is a leader, but when you get there, you know, ah, that's him now, because of his compulsion, how he comports himself. <laughs> but it's the way Jesus was, you can't tell him, there's something about him. When he's walking among the twelve, you just see 13 guys going, you don't know who, which one. It was just weird. He's weird and alien to this world. Why too much conversation with newness? Dealing and interaction with, with newness. See, 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 see. Take on your professional. Take on your profession. Newness. Say newness. Newness. You need to become new and new and new and new. After a while, from being new, 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 you now become living, living, living. Living is just newness in another dimension. That's just it. When newness crosses into God, that's when you say, hey, this one is now living. It means that, actually, the way they define living is newness. So that way, that new and, by a new and living way, consecrated for us through the veil. See, only new men can pass that veil. Are you being blessed today? Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Glory to Jesus. Glory to Jesus. Glory to Jesus. Oh, glory to Jesus. Glory, 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 glory. There will be a time when the picture of the earth will change. When they look down to the, at the earth from heaven, what the, the stale picture they see before will no longer be there. Why? Because God will begin to do a new thing upon it. Say, so shall ye not know it? It will be known when God begins to do it. A new thing upon the earth. New men will begin to arise. New souls will begin to arise. New people will begin to arise. People who are able to break through the formation, break through their limitation, take leaps of faith. They, they, they will take quantum leaps in the spirit and break through any limitation of the natural man and of the carnal nature. So shall it be unto you. Just lift your hand now and just begin to pray and just begin to just connect with, with this message. Matalash to Preton or Sihata. Shala Moskia. Eh, prada la basa tamara non siete rendo cairi alla mosson tamarie de bozosse. Eh, prada ta 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 lie cairi alla madori ande mosse prandesia. Oh, yes. Lampra ta 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 la ma ta 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 la ma te Maria la 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 mos ya la mos ye priya la mos ye kriya la ma la 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 ma la 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 ma la 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 mos ya na la mos su su su
Yes. Yes. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Show me the ancient path. Lead me along eternal highway. I want to walk in the steps of Jesus. I want to enter your realm. Show me the ancient path and lead me along eternal Steps of Jesus. Oh, I want to enter your realm. Oh, show me the ancient path and lead me along Thank you, Father. Lord, we thank you tonight. We receive from you grace, mercy, 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 mercy. Oh, yes, mercy. That mercy which you said you came to give tonight, we obtain it with our heart. Let it be an initiation, Lord, for every soul, every heart, everyone under the sound of my voice. Initiation into the way of mercy, into the life of mercy, into the world of mercy. Mercy for newness. Mercy, mercy, mercy. Thank you, Father. We bless your name. We give you glory. Oh, thank you. Thank you for newnesses. Newness, 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 newness. Lord, we remember not the former things, neither consider the things of old, because you will do a new thing, a new thing in our lives. Thank you, our Father. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you. Karamatori Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Our change has come. Our change is here. We receive it. 
We receive it. We receive it. We receive it. We receive it. We receive our change. We receive it, Lord. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, Maria Ramosondana Maria Tapara Ramoskebrando. Aria Tapara Bababahatata. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, we thank you. Oh, yes, we thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We bless your holy name. In Jesus' name we pray. Father, we bless you for tonight. Thank you for the ministry of your word. Thank you for grace and all trans and for speaking to us and blessing us and even the impartation which you have brought tonight. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Take this word. Breathe fresh breath every day upon it and wrestle with every heart until we rest, Lord, into this place, this blessed place. Thank you, our Father. We give all the glory to your holy name. We worship you. Thank you, Lord, sweet Spirit of God. We bless you. Thank you, Father, for the light. We say thank you even to our Lord Jesus Christ who has fed us tonight. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We bless you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. You dwells between the cherubim, shine for. You dwells between the cherubim, shine for. You.